welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Stand up with me as we read the Word of God this morning. Romans chapter 3. I'm going to turn my Bible there. And um, if you haven't been with us for a while or if you're with us for the first time today, I've decided recently that I like to stand when we read the Word of God just to honor the Lord. And I make no apologies for it. So we're going to stand and, and we're going to read the Bible. We're going to read a couple verses and then we'll go, I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we can be seated. Romans chapter 3, I'm going to pick up in verse 21. This is where we finished off last week, verse 21 and 22 says this, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Thank God for that truth. Father, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for your spirit, for your anointing, Father. God, I pray right now that you put your words in my heart and my mouth, and I say only what you want me to say, that I communicate your thoughts clearly and accurately. Father, I pray right now that our hearts and our ears and our eyes are open to receive your truth, that these aren't the words of a man, but these are the words of God. Father, we thank you that as we spend time in your presence, that we leave transformed and changed, that we are no longer the same when we impact and encounter you. God, we thank you for all you're doing. We thank you for your son who is the name above every other name. We declare healing and wholeness and life by your son. In Jesus' name, we all said amen, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. You know, preaching preaching, um, through a book of the Bible is different in some ways than, than preaching a series on a certain thought or a topic. It's a little different, <clears throat> but I like it. I like going through word by word. I like breaking down what these scriptures are saying. I like breaking out the Hebrew and the Greek and what these, I say Hebrew because sometimes we go to the Old Testament. We all know the New Testament was written in Greek. That's right, it was written in Greek. Uh, but sometimes, like today, we may go to the Old Testament and look at a scripture and that's written in Hebrew. I love Uh, I love all that kind of stuff. I love reading the context, like why we're talking about this. I like when we read these commentaries and we're reading this commentary. I got this commentary by Barclay that I told you about. And it brings the context of why Paul was writing to the Romans and who he was talking about and what life was like back then because those are important things to know. And so I have just been really enjoying Romans because we need a strong foundation in this time in our lives, in this season of the world We need a strong foundation because we all know, like the parable that Jesus told, when you build on the sand, what happens? Oh, you guys don't know this story? When you build on the sand, it's a bad foundation, and your house washes away when the storms of life come and beat against your house. Is that right? Is that accurate? I mean, I'm no builder. I think we've clearly established that over the years. I'm no builder. I don't know how to build much. But I do know that if you don't have a strong foundation, when the storms of life come and beat against your house, what happens? Washes that foundation in a way. And, and well, did I tell you all this story last week? Maybe I was talking to somebody this week about running away from home when I was a kid. Did I tell you guys this story last Sunday? Oh, I didn't tell you this story. Uh, I think I was, was I? 
a while ago, and I ran, I ran away from home when I was 12. My feelings got hurt about something, and I got as far as our backyard. I think it was like November. I think it was November, and um, it, was, it was rainy like it is now, and I was 12 years old, and we had moved into a new neighborhood, and they were building all the houses around us. They were working on all the foundations. You know, the, the framings were being done, and the, there was mud everywhere because, you, you know, you got to start with dirt and build from there. And so it was raining. I, I got my mom. I think my mom just wanted me to do something that I didn't want to do, and I was 12 years old and moody and pouty, and so I put my boots on. Who puts boots on when they're running away? Like, it's a very practical move. Oh, I need to wear my boots. It's raining out. I'm running away. So I ran away, put my boots on. I got as far as the, the backyard where they were building, and I found this puddle that I just decided to stay and stop there and pout in this puddle. And as I stood in this puddle, puddle, I just started wiggling my feet back and forth in the muddy puddle. You know what I'm talking about? And as you wiggle your feet back and forth, what happens? You begin to sink down. You begin to sink down. And the problem was there was no strong ground. There was no firm foundation below me for a long time. And I just kept sinking and sinking and sinking until I got to the place where the mud was almost up to the top of my boots. And I had to take my feet out of the boots and in my sock walk home. And sometimes, you know, life is like, life is like that. You've got to have a strong foundation when you're facing the storms of life that will hold you steady, that will hold you firm, that when life comes and beats against you, you've got something to keep you rock solid, amen? And this book, of found, this book of Romans is a foundation for our faith. It talks about why we believe what we believe. It talks about the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. And if you don't know the truths in the book of Romans, sometimes somebody may come and ask you a question, and all you know is, I don't know why I believe that. It's just, that's what we believe. But this is going to help you understand why we believe what we believe. Amen? Amen. All right, Romans chapter 3. I'm going to continue reading on in verse number 23. It says, for everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone has sinned. Well, that's just a mind bomb, isn't it? Look around the room. Everybody take a pause for a minute. Look around the room. Look at those people that you and your mind think are perfect. Are you looking at them? Guess what? They've sinned. They've sinned. Everyone has sinned. The Bible says everybody has sinned. There's nobody that's been perfect except for Jesus Christ. But beyond that, everybody, the person you're sitting beside, even though they don't want to meet it, Reese, your mom, don't tell her this, she's probably sinned. He, oh, he already said it. He's calling you out. Okay. And, and don't look at him, but Reese, he's sinned. We've all sinned. Everybody has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I love, I love this sentence because it says, for everyone has sinned, past tense. Sinned is a past tense word, isn't it? And it says, we all fall short. And that's a, that's a phrase that, that's, like, that's a continuing phrase. We all fall short. It doesn't say we all fell short, right? We all fall short. What does that mean? It means that we will continually, as long as we live on this planet, as long as we exist in this form, we will continue to fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody has sinned. We've all made mistakes. What does sin mean? If you look up the actual Greek translation of the word sin, it doesn't mean like evil. It doesn't mean like dirty. It doesn't mean gross, don't touch. Those are all parts of it and implications to it. But what sin actually means is missing the mark. Missing the mark. So when he says we've all sinned, he says we've all missed the mark. 
There's a bullseye. There's a target. There's a mark on it. We're all striving to hit that target. But sometimes, guess what happens? We miss the mark. It says we've all sinned and we all continually will fall short of the glory of God. The Amplified Translation actually says we will continually fall short. It uses that idea that even though you have fallen sin or fallen short, you will continue to fall short. Guess what? Tomorrow, you'll probably fall short. Tomorrow, you'll probably miss the mark. Guess what? Probably by 3 o'clock this afternoon, there's a pretty good chance you will miss the mark in some way. Shocker. You may think wrong. You may act wrong. You may say something that you shouldn't say. You may do something you shouldn't do. You may miss the mark. But thank God for the grace of God and the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Amen? And that's where we're going. That's where Paul is driving to. He says, we've all sinned. Everybody has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God. Everybody say, yet God. Yet God. Come on now. Yet God. Thank God for those yet gods. Not gods that are named yet. I'm saying thank God for when you see the Bible and it says yet God or but God. Thank God for when you see those things. That means that God is at work. Even though you made a mess of stuff, even though you've made a mistake, even though you're in the middle of something, you don't know how you got there, yet God has worked on your behalf. Yet God is working behind the scenes. Yet God is thinking about you. He's thinking towards you and he's doing things that you never thought he could do or you never hoped or imagined, but he is working because yet God Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yet God, yet God, with undeserved kindness, and some translations would call that grace, declares that we are righteous. He did this through. Where did I at? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. No, it's verse 22, sorry. Here we are, verse 24, I'm sorry. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. There's three thoughts I want to bring out here real quick in this section of, this section of Scripture. Number one, I want to talk to you about that word righteous. It says, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. What does righteous mean? Do we have this? We do. It means the quality of being right. God declares the believer righteous in the sense of acquitting him. It means in right standing. So Paul is bringing this concept, and we talked a little bit about this last week, where you are declared righteous through Christ Jesus. Now it's interesting, in verse 22, when he's talking, Paul says we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, now here in verse 24, he says, we are, yet, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus. Before it was Jesus Christ, and now it's Christ Jesus. And you can say, well, that's interesting. Why is he saying his name backwards? But we all know that Jesus' last name is not Christ. Correct? Jesus' last name was probably like Jesus bar Joseph, Jesus son of Nazareth. We have reference to him being called in the New Testament, but his last name was not Christ. And the word Christ actually means something. It's not his last name. And it's not a swear word that we should be using. The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos. It means this, the anointed one. It comes from the verb creo, meaning to anoint, referring to the consecration rites of a priest or a king, emphasizing the fact that the man, Jesus, was God's anointed, the Messiah. 
So he's saying this is who he is. He is Christ Jesus. He is the anointed one. So when you say Jesus Christ, when you're talking about Jesus Christ, you're not just saying his last name. You're not saying Jesus Christ. It's not Jake McGrew. It's not Brendan. It's, what is your last name? Oh, yeah, Paulson. It's not Brendan Paulson. It's not whatever your first and last name is. Jesus Christ is not his whole name. It is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. The one that God chose to came into, into the world to save you and me from our sins, to save us from the, the wages of our sins, to save us from death. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the one that God has chosen. Oh, you all know this? And you're all like, okay, cool. That's, that's cool, man. That's cool, 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 cool. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Okay. Yet God, with undeserved kindness with grace declares that you are righteous, that you are made right with God. And he did this through Christ Jesus, the anointed one, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Can we just stop for a minute? The penalty of our sins. The penalty of our sins. The penalty of missing the mark. Romans 6 and 23, I believe, says this, that the wages... Of sin is death. We all know what a wage is, something you earn. Everybody, everybody here who works a job or worked a job, you got a wage, right? You went to work, you made pizza. You went to work, you painted houses. You went to work, you mowed the lawn. You went to work, you looked after people. And what did you get for that? Wages. You got paid. And so he says here that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the anointed one, came to save you from the wages of sin, what you would have earned for sinning, for missing the mark. And Romans says that wage, those earnings for missing the mark is death. And when it's talking about death, it's talking about separation from God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to live a life in darkness alone by myself without the work of the Spirit in my life where I try and work and do things by myself and I don't have Him in my life. That is separation. That is death. The wages of sin is death. And Christ Jesus, the anointed one, came to spare you from those wages that you earned. Hmm. That's a good thought. The wages of sin, the wages of missing marks. So what you earned, what you earn on a continual basis when you miss the mark is separation from God. But Christ Jesus came to erase those wages that you should have earned. Isn't it great to know that Jesus came and took your place? And say, I'll take those wages. I'll take that separation. I'll take that death. I'll take that sickness. I'll take those things on me. Account it to me, not to them. Because I tell you what, I couldn't pay that. I wouldn't want those wages. I couldn't live with those wages. Could you? Could you live with separation from God? Hmm. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. Mm, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. And this is, I've had this thought in my mind all week long. In the New King James, it uses the word propitiation. 
Let me just read these next two verses, and we'll come back and talk about it. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin or propitiation. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. Hmm. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. And he declares sinners to be right when they believe in Jesus. And he declares sinners to be made right when they believe in Jesus. Wow. I want to talk about this thought for a second. This propitiation. Jaden, I think we have this. It's the Greek word, hilasterion. And it means the place of atonement. The physical manifestation of the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Christ's sacrifice appeased the offense of God, averting his wrath from you and I. And I want to talk about this for just a few minutes with you. Because this is a powerful thought. You see, in the Old Testament... And if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there with me to Leviticus chapter 7. Now, I know we all skip Leviticus. Nobody likes to read the book of Leviticus. It's an Iticus book. Lots of laws. and Leviticus chapter 17. And we're going to start reading in, in verse 11 in a moment. But just some context for you. See, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, before Jesus came, when the children of Israel missed the mark and they sinned, there had to be an offering of blood that was made. And they would have one day a year called the Day of Atonement, where sacrifice was made and blood was sprinkled on the altar of the mercy seat. Now, the mercy seat was on the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that thing that Indiana Jones was chasing around? The Ark of the Covenant was nowhere near as big as it was in Indiana Jones. It was a little bit less than four feet long and a little bit wider than two feet and a little bit taller than two feet. So it wasn't super huge. And the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was made from complete gold. And then on top of the Ark of the Covenant was two angels facing each other with their wings extended, covering the Ark. And between those two wings, where those two wings met, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the Mercy Seat. And in this mercy seat, in this place on the Ark of the Covenant was where the Lord would speak from. References made to the Shekinah glory of God where God would manifest and God would be present in that mercy seat. And so once a year, when the Israelites would send, or when, when sin, or they would miss the mark, somebody would have to come and the high priest would have to come and sprinkle blood on this altar. Is this interesting to you? Because it's very interesting to me. Somebody would have to come in and sprinkle blood on this ark to do away with their sins on the mercy seat where God was. 
And in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. Now the New King James will say, to make atonement for you. It's the blood, it is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Now that word atone, we don't have a slide for it because I was just studying this out yesterday. But that word atone actually means to cover up and to conceal. Now hang on, hang on, just stay with me for a minute, I'm going somewhere. It means to cover up and to conceal. It's the idea of um, putting on some clothes and covering something up. And in fact, it goes all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. And then the Lord killed some animals and made clothes from them and covered them up. It's the same word, a covering up, a concealing, taking it away, hiding it, making it look different. And uh, one of the references is to rewriting like a contract, like you have a contract written out, but then when you atone it, when you make atonement for it, you rewrite that contract. It covers it up. But I want to show you something in Ephesians. See, this is the Old Testament, and there's a covering, and there's a concealing, and there's making it look different. But in Ephesians chapter 1, go with me there, and I want to show you this. There's two very important words in this passage of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, says, He is so rich in kindness and grace, talking about Jesus, that he purchased our freedom. Some translations will say redeemed. With the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom or redeemed us with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Now here's what I want you to show. I want you to see this. This word redeemed means this. It means ransomed. Uh, that you let somebody go because the ransom fee was paid. Deliverance on account that the ransom is paid, that the price has been paid. And then when it talks about forgiveness, when it says, with the blood of his son and forgave our sins, forgiveness means freedom, pardon, deliverance, liberty, remission. So in the Old Testament, you have a concealing, the day of atonement. And see, it worked for a while, it worked covering up their sins, concealing their sins. But then Jesus came to ransom you and I and to pay the price and to set you free once and for all. See, back then they had to go one day every year and make atonement for their sins, go sacrifice some animals and make atonement for their sins and then repeat the whole process and repeat the whole process and repeat the whole process. But Jesus came because God knew that you and I would continue to sin. We would continually fall short. And now because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, for you and me because he was the propitiation he washed you clean he redeemed you he paid the ransom he broke off those chains he broke off those walls he broke off those shackles he ransomed you and he set you free he gave you liberty because he has redeemed you by the blood of the lamb First John chapter 1 just says this. If you're faithful and just to confess your sins, he'll forgive you. You don't have to go find some animal to sacrifice. 
You don't have to hang on to those burdens all year long and then go get forgiven from them on the Day of Atonement. Now, because of the work that Jesus did for you and me, you can go to the Father at any time and say, I've missed the mark. I've made a mistake. I've made a mess of things. I need forgiveness. I need to repent. I need to make this right so that I can be declared righteous in your eyes again. You see, so many believers walk around. We talked about this last week. Walk around with this baggage and these lies hanging on to them. But the Spirit of God is trying to say to you, you don't have to walk around with those things. You don't have to hang on to those lies because you've been set free by the work that Jesus did on the cross. He washed it all the way. He declares you righteous. He has redeemed you. Come on, that word redeemed, somebody paying your ransom fee? Wow, wow, wow. That's my Owen Wilson. Wow, wow. It's a big wow. He poured out on us who belong to his dear son, Jesus Christ. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. He ransomed you and me with the blood of his son and forgave us. When he forgave you, he declared you free. He pardoned your sins. He pardoned them. Deliverance, liberty, remission. Come on. Carrying around the truth of who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and the work that he did on the cross for you and me is liberating sets you free because if you don't know if you don't understand the work that he's done you'll walk around all your days in ignorance carrying baggage that you weren't meant to carry carrying weights that you can't handle getting paid for things that you don't have to be paid for anymore receiving the wages in yourself of sin that you don't deserve that you shouldn't be taking because he sets you free because he ransoms you what the world needs is a group of people who understand the freedom and the, the life that they have through the work of the cross. Oh. Yes, amen. Amen means so be it. So be it. You know what Abbotsford needs? You know what Abbotsford needs? Abbotsford needs a bunch of people who believe in Jesus Christ, who don't just go to church. Abbotsford does not need more people to go to church just to go to church. Abbotsford needs more people to go to church so they hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ where he paid their ransom for them and he set them free and he transferred them like we talked about a couple weeks ago from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. That's what Abbotsford needs. It doesn't need you just coming here feeling good about yourself, putting in your time on Sunday mornings and going away. It needs you to truly believe what Jesus did for you where it gets down deep inside of you and you understand the work of the cross. So when you encounter people in your life, you don't just say, I don't know the answer to this question. Why don't you call a pastor? Why don't you talk to my mom? Why don't you talk to my dad? But you say, actually, I do know because this is real and it's alive and I'm interested and I care about who he is to me, through me, and for me. God did this in verse 26 to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. 
Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No, no, we can't because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So you and me and everybody we encounter and everybody who calls the name of Jesus, we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Is God the God of the Jews only? No. Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Some translation says the Lord is one. There is one God. There's not a God for the Jews. There's not a God for the Gentiles. There is one God. The point is Paul is trying to make. There's one God. It says he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews and Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Stand up with me. What's he talking about when he says that? What is he talking about? He's talking about when you have faith, it goes from being a book of rules and a book of laws to being a relationship. And because you love the Lord, because you have faith in him, because you desire to spend time with him, because you desire to have a relationship with him, it goes from being about just rules and laws to going to being a relationship. And because you have a relationship with him, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and then you want to fulfill the laws that he gives you. You know there's something like 613 laws that you would have to obey in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, to be made right in God's sight, and there's no way. There's no way we could make all those things be right and do them all the time and not make mistakes. But when you love someone, when you love someone, you want to try and do those things, don't you? You want to try and walk pleasing to them. You want to try and be who they want you to be. You want to try and do all those things. You know, and as, as, as I just said this, I've been thinking about in the back of my mind, you know how you can have thoughts that are just continually running in your head, in your head, in the back, like you're not really, you're not actively thinking about them, but the thought is always there. I've had this thought in my head all morning long. Just about our hearts Father and how he desires our hearts. And I just quoted from the Old Testament saying that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What does that really mean? It's talking about loving God with all that you are every fiber of your being. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids with all that I have. And I would do anything for them. We need to have even a greater love than that 
for the Lord where all you are is his. Now, and I believe as we're working our way through this series on foundations, that one of the foundations that's going to be formed inside of us, if you will allow it, and if you will embrace it, is that restoration or that foundation, if you never had it, that foundation of love for him in your life. With all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with every fiber of your being. Where we begin to trust him, where he begins to become all to us, where he is all to us. And I just want to take a moment. I know we're out of time, and I know we got to get out of this space. But I want to, I want to take a minute. Just close your eyes. I just feel like God wants to soften some hearts. That God is wanting to restore. You know, Revelation talks about one of the churches that is written to is the one that has lost their first love, where their heart and their love for Him has grown cold. And more than more than anything. God wants our hearts. He wants your heart soft and turned towards Him, fully trusting, fully relying, with your face fully towards Him. And I just feel such a gentle presence of the Lord here in this place. And if you would, Father, I ask 
right now in the name of Jesus. That you are blowing on the embers in our heart right now. That you are filling us with your spirit. That you are filling us with your presence. That you are turning our hearts towards you again. That the coldness is gone. That the walls that have been built up, they are falling down. Father, I thank you right now for your sweet spirit whispering in our ear. Jesus. We are returning to you. Yes, return. We are returning to you. We are returning to you. Jesus, we return to you. Thank you, Father. We're returning to you, Father. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, just tell them how much you love them. Father, we love you. We are so thankful, Father. We lift you up. We worship you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Let me hear you. Jesus, the name above every other name. The name above every other name. We worship you. We give you honor. We give you praise. We worship you, Father. We thank you that you are turning our hearts towards you, that you are breaking off chains, that you are breaking off walls. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. So thankful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.